Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, RPA is proud to present Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. This is Jason Witter, author, illustrator of Tiniest Vampire and Monsters Eating Ice Cream, and you are listening to Aaron's Horror Show. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show Season 3, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. We're going to go ahead and talk about movies, TV, and read some fiction. If you want to get hold of the show, you can go ahead and go to Facebook.com, Aaron's Horror Show, or you can go to Twitter.com, Aaron Horror Show, or you can go ahead and send us an email at Aaron's Horror Show at gmail.com. Uh, you can also go ahead and support the show by going to Patreon.com forward slash Aaron Frail. Thank you so much for listening, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. All right, we're going to go ahead and read some more Orion today. So just a quick recap while uh, we're talking about Orion. So we we notice he's going through these different lives, and he just went through uh, his first life again, where he was this Roman stable boy. And, and, you know, he got to try something a little different, and he survived a little bit longer than he was used to, but then he basically got killed again. And uh, now we're on to his next iteration where is Orion going next? I should be telling you about how I defeated Sir Gawain, outed Grimwalt as a murderous traitor, and won the princess's heart. Alas, the fate that controlled my existence had something else in store for me. In this life, I was born in 1947 America, in the home of baseball ice cream sandwiches and the 1969 draft for the Vietnam War. I didn't know while growing up that I was destined for dodging bullets in the jungle halfway around the world, but like my other lives, I grew up in autopilot. It was like I had memory stuffed into my head that felt every bit like real memory, but I was beginning to think that it wasn't. Just a primer for the conflict to come. Imagine watching a movie about your life where all the moments were highlighted. I played stickball with my friends and wrapped Christmas presents, stayed up late watching The Prisoner on TV. If it was false memory, it was a hell of a lot better than the first two. Uh, in Life 3, you know, I got to eat ice cream sandwiches and watch the Yankees win the World Series. My buddies and I scattered in an abandoned parking lot in Queens, New York, when our ball went through the Franco's window. My family would drive upstate to Uncle to my uncle's place near Syracuse, where we'd fish and play on a lake. As far as parents go, Life's three parents were average. They weren't monsters like Life 2, but they weren't awesome like my father in Life 1. But before you judge me for comparing parents, it was hard not to compare when I had so many of them. My aqueduct father worker was the best father. He had the rare ability to make an awful situation seem like it was the best thing ever. When we didn't have enough to eat, my father would play this game called Find the Breadcrumbs. <laughs> I thought that game, I loved it. No, I know, I know. 
My parents in my third life didn't hit me or anything, but they also didn't pay much attention to me either. They were such run-of-the-mill family. My name was even more generic, John Smith. No wonder I went by Orion. It was as if Life 3 was the most generic existence one could have, with the exception that instead of driving New York buses like my father, I would be called to war. I couldn't even think about dodging the draft because the point where I got to start exercising my free will was shortly after I got carted off to war. I love the fact that, unlike most people, I got a do-over in life and I had the ability to fix past mistakes, but it sucked that I always seemed to get tossed into the middle of some unavoidable conflict. I longed for the day that my do-over would be who I decided to ask to the prom. There was a game of stickball in Life 3 where I wished I could have picked Henry, the weirdo from down the street, for my team. That kid had an arm. However, no matter how many times I came back to life in Life 3, my childhood memories were stuck in movie mode, where I was a normal kid and not a reincarnating Roman, stable boy with a princess I was anxious to see. My do-over point in this life began when I was stuck in my bunk sleeping and I woke up to a loud explosion. I was coming out of a deep sleep and was confused. I heard screaming as though it was the roars of the barbarians on the battlefield of the Tiber and Aaliyah rivers. Before I was fully awake, there was another explosion. This one knocked me out of my bed. It took me a few seconds to realize that I was next to a screaming soldier. I think his name was Hank? He was a burly man from the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. He was missing an arm and half his body was burnt. I, I grabbed the singed pillow that was nearby and pressed it to the stump where his arm should have been to staunch the bleeding. He thrashed and then twitched one final time as the life left his body. The night before, it had been peaceful. I had this memory of coming back from a long patrol. My unit had been excited to sleep in a bunk for once. I remember being sick of the never-ending rain in Vietnam. It was so nice to take a hot shower. An artillery shell hit the barracks. Everything was on fire. The smoke was too thick to see if other soldiers had made it. There was another explosion to my left. The fire swelled. I saw a hole in the wall and ran towards it. I made it out just in time as another shell hit the barracks and the building collapsed behind me. It took a few moments the first time through this life to take it all in. The base was under attack. Artillery flew in all directions. Viet Cong soldiers flooded in from holes in the fences. Machine gun fire rattled. Most of the temporary buildings that made up the camp were on fire. A few stray bullets landed near my feet. Sergeant Jackson, we called him Axon Jackson, screamed orders to mount a counteroffensive. He died when a shell landed right on top of him. My fellow soldiers were panicked and disorganized. A few had mounted a counteroffensive were being overwhelmed but there was a mash unit that was unscathed by the shelling. Choppers landed near the unit, and nurses and doctors rushed the wounded towards them. The base looked like it was pretty much lost. The Viet Cong swarmed everywhere. I decided to help with the medevac operation. I ran through the base, dodging artillery and gunfire. An enemy popped out from behind a tent and swiped me with a bayonet. I used his momentum to sidestep him and shoved him into the tent. The canvas collapsed around him, and he got tangled up. I continued towards the choppers. I saw a nurse struggling to drag a patient on a stretcher towards the waiting helicopter. I picked up the other side and we headed towards the chopper. She looked back to show her appreciation and I almost dropped the patient. The nurse was my princess! 
She didn't just look like my princess, she was identical in every way. Her cracked crystal eyes, her golden hair. I pushed harder towards the evacuation route. I glanced around to make sure there weren't any immediate threats. A mortar round landed on the ground in front of us and we had to alter our course. I could hear the screams of the invading army. I risked a glance backward and saw the Viet Cong had won control over most of the base. They were mopping up the last of the survivors. A swarm of soldiers was heading our way. One of the men in the chopper saw the threat and motioned us to hurry. We ran at a sprint, clutching the stretcher. Bullets flew past us, and another shell blew up close by, nearly throwing us to the ground. Enemy forces were closing from all directions. Just as we were about to be overwhelmed, we made it to the chopper. We shoved the stretcher into the bay, and the man inside helped the princess up. The enemy soldiers closed in on the helicopter, and the pilot couldn't wait any longer. He lifted off, and I grabbed onto the skid. The chopper rose from the ground, and dozens of soldiers started taking pot shots. One right by my face. The man who had helped the princess came for me next. He reached down and lifted me inside. I turned towards the princess. Maybe I should just call her princess? Uh, I don't really know her name, but she was busy helping the patient. The uh, man nodded towards the empty co-pilot seat. There would be time to talk to her later. I climbed to the front and sat down. I immediately noticed something wasn't right. Half the dials were destroyed. Noticing my worried expression, the pilot said, Navigation is down, comms down too. We're flying blind, but don't worry, I can get us home. I gazed at the jungle below us. It looked the same in every direction. I had hoped the pilot knew what he was talking about. I didn't see any other medevac helicopters in the sky. But then again, the base was in chaos. They probably had to scatter. I spent most of the ride agonizing about what to say to Princess. I saw her from a past life, and I wasn't sure that she knew me. Stabby seemed to remember me from life to life. However, our brief interactions, there was no indication that she knew me from any random soldier, you know, doing his duty. I didn't know how to bring it up to her without sounding like a lunatic. Conversation starts usually don't include, Hey, I'm Orion, and I'm pretty sure I know you from your past life as a princess. <laughs> there has to be some way to find out that she knew me without coming off as crazy. Luckily, though, I never had the chance to embarrass herself. Mainly because our helicopter was shot down shortly after uh, leaving the base. Alright, I'm going to go ahead and cut it there. I know that's a nice short little little teaser of Life 3, but it's a longer chapter, so i got to split it up in two, and seems like a neat place to split it up. So yeah, tune in next time for some more Orion, and if you got some more listening time, go ahead and listen to Real Paranormal Activity on Mondays, where you can hear some ghost stories read by Mr. Aaron Hunter and written by all of you. You could also turn into me on Tuesdays. Turn into me. Yes, you could become my clone army on Tuesdays. Only on Tuesdays, Clone Army. Anyways, uh, you can tune in to me on uh, Tuesdays, and then you can also uh, go ahead and uh, listen to Terry's Mysterious Moments on Wednesdays, and he talks about all sorts of cool uh, historical weirdness that goes on in the world. And then there's also the Sandman's Lullaby, where you could hear dreams and what could they possibly mean. And then don't forget, we have lots of ghost hunting shows on the Real Paranormal Activity Network, Witching Hour, Unexplained Cases... Uh, and I am blanking on the next one. Oh man. See, I should never start naming the shows off. I, it's not that I don't know the names. It's that I, I am 
just, you know, like, it's like sometimes you forget the name of, like, bread, for example. You're, like, trying to tell someone, like, you know, like, I tell my wife, like, do you know where that thing is? What thing? You know, that thing that you put in the toaster and you spread jam on it? You know, that thing. <laughs> She's like, bread? And I'm like, oh, yeah, bread, that, that, you know? <laughs> I, I do that all the time where it's like, I, I know something and, and uh, <laughs> I, I just can't, you know, I can't uh, think of the name at the moment. So anyways, thank you so much for listening and I appreciate your support of the show.